welcome to the Polygamer Podcast, where gaming is for everyone. Join us as we expand the boundaries of the gaming community. Hello and welcome to Polygamer episode number 89 for Wednesday, May 8th, 2019. I'm your host, Ken Gagney. As you heard on last month's episode, I was recently at PAX East, which is such a delight to attend every year in Boston. My favorite part of PAX are the amazing panels where so many insightful, diverse, and brilliant people share their insights and experiences. We have one of those people join us today, Twitch partner TQ. Hello, TQ. Hello. How are you today? I'm extremely well. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm delighted to have you here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You are a Twitch partner. What does that mean exactly? So I am a full-time variety streamer. And essentially what we do is, if you're a variety streamer, you play a multitude of different games on the live streaming site Twitch. And partner just means that you have worked hard to build a community and are recognized for having a consistent viewership and a consistently growing community. Oh, well, congratulations. How long have you been a Twitch partner? Um, so I'll be reaching about a year. I think it's like a year and a half. It's hard for me because I was affiliate prior to partner. So I always try to go by like how long the like the, the oldest sub is, but that's wrong because the oldest sub is almost two years. So I think partner is about a year and a half. Wow. So somebody has been subscribed to you for two years now? Almost two years. We're one month away from two-year availability for subscribers for me. Wow. So tell me how you got started doing this. I know a lot of people start off doing it in their spare time, not as a full-time job, and then eventually make the transition. Was that your story? Yeah. Actually, I, I had no idea about any of this. I didn't even have Twitter until 2014. And I was hanging out with one of my friends. I, I met my fiance who lives in Seattle and he introduced me to friends here. And those friends are the basically the, the people who started Loading Ready Run, which is a basically a comedy troupe. And I met more and more people through them and then guested on a stream that was associated to them at the time and then people were like you're really funny and i was like <laughs> i'm not but okay cool and like four months later i booted up stardew valley on my macbook air from 2010 and did the most <laughs> like low quality stream ever oh that's awesome so you didn't know that you were funny <laughs> i had no i didn't and i still don't so <laughs> I refuse to believe this fact. And what were you doing, if I may ask, for your job, if not Twitch streaming? I was a sales representative for telecommunications. And then at the time that I started streaming, I was actually managing. So I was a full-time 40-hour workweek manager for a telecommunications company, as well as deciding to stream almost full-time as well. So that's what I was doing. I mean, that sounds like... a pretty impressive career with some growth potential. What inspired you to give all that up and play games? I hate the, and it, it sounds so funny because what I do is basically busking on the internet, but I hated the fact that I was in a job that focused on selling an item rather than selling an item that was needed. So I hated the idea of trying to push my employees to sell things that were the item of the month, but it's like items that are like, you know, six foot 
charging cables and you're trying to sell it to a 80 year old woman who has a flip phone that doesn't want to change. And I just, I hated that environment. I hated pushing people to spend money on things that they didn't need. And it's awful for the environment. It's, it's just, I, I loved people and I loved making people happy, but I hated the concept of forcing someone into buying something it's, it was just so uncomfortable. I just wanted something different. I, I can empathize with that. I used to work at Blockbuster. I'd love it when people would come in and get the movies they were looking for and we get to chat about them. But then I'd always have to ask, do you want to get a bottle of Coke and some microwave popcorn to go with that? Yeah. And if I didn't, if you if you don't ask, you get penalized by management. And I'm like, no, just let them get their movies. You get in so much trouble for the littlest things and it's just not, it's not fun. It's not rewarding. Yeah, and a job like that, it can be very corporate. They have a lot of rules. It's not a mom and pop shop where anything flies. How long were you doing that? Oh, I, I, I'm going to say like six years, six or eight years, because it was like my my second job was working in electronics, and then the third job was moving into telecommunications. So yeah, at least six, at least six years. And how long were you juggling that and streaming before you realized, wait a minute, I might actually be able to do streaming full time. <laughs> so it was actually, it was about, a, I think it was about a year after I had started streaming, maybe a year and a half. I asked for time off to go to PAX West and they had given it to me, but then taken back my time off because it was in blackout in quotation marks, which means that it's back to school. And in certain job lines, you can't have time off if it's within that period. But oh. I've been there for so long and I had been manager and then I had rotated to different stores. I was like, oh my gosh, you promised me this. I'm so tired of everything and I was so exhausted. So I said, I just told them, I said, I will take the time off. Or I will leave and I will give you the proper notice. I gave them like two months. This was two months before and I had given them the request four months before. And I was like, no, if, if I'm not, if you don't get the time off, I'm just going to give you my notice and I will, I will move on to better things. And at the time I didn't actually plan to start streaming full time. I had planned to find another job and long story short, you know, they didn't give me the time off. They thought that I was bluffing. I was not. <laughs> and I took the time off, went to PAX West, and about a month after PAX West, my community just started throwing financial support at me and being like, we don't want you to go back to work. We want you to do this full time. So whatever you need to make it happen, we will do our best to get you there. And so it kind of just fell into it from my community wanting me to be available Wow, that is so amazing that you had this community that rose to the occasion and supported you in that what must have been a very challenging time. It was wild. I did not expect it. I was literally talking to them about I'm going to go job searching now. You know, I'm back from PAX West. I took some vacation time off. I used my savings. I'm going to go look for another job. And then a couple people messaged me being like, what if you just didn't? And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> kind of went from there. And how did you build that community in the first place? I know you mentioned some potential collaborations with uh, Loading Ready Run, but I know if I were to start streaming tomorrow, nobody would know to find me on Twitch because I have no established presence there. And I could tweet about it, but tweets get like a 2% engagement. So how did you drive those initial viewers to your Twitch channel? I was extremely lucky. I will not lie. I put hard work into it, but I also had friends that were also having years and years of work. So when I started streaming, I had friends that were already in the line uh, in this career that 
supported me. So when I started streaming, I had other friends that were at the time, you know, 35 or 40 viewers, and they would host me. And host means that your channel shows up on another channel in in a in a kind of way. And those people would come and watch me and and then we'd start end up sharing community. And from there, I just started socializing on Twitch. I started just being active in channels that I looked up to and talking to those communities and hosting those communities. And when rating became available, which is actually the people in your chat will be sent to that other person's channel when you're done. I started doing those things and the people that are genuine and kind will reciprocate, which is always the sweetest thing for me. So I was very lucky that when I started streaming, I had about five to six people watching me, which sounds like nothing, but it's absolutely everything. Because when you start your stream at the very beginning, you will most likely have no one watching you. And that is just how it goes. You might get lucky. You might have one or two. Maybe you know people from other chats and communities that you're in and they want to come and support you, but you're going to be stuck within that five to six viewer range for a long time. And a lot of people take a long time to get there. So I was very lucky that I, I started in that small little percentile. And then I was very blessed to have friends that, you know, came from a, a line of other friends that had been doing this for many, many years. And they would be like, oh, we'll come over and hang out on my stream and we'll do a dinner stream. And then, you know, more people found out who I was through them. And I was, I, I think it all comes down to socialization and just being genuinely kind and wanting to see your friends also grow. And do you socialize through your community, would you say primarily through what's happening on the camera or what's happening in the chat? Do you mean typing into chat or talking through the camera? Well, w would you say that they are tuning in to watch you or to interact with you? I think it's pretty split, but more, I would say the higher amount of people are there to interact because I'm a fairly interactive streamer. And there are differences. There are streamers that are strictly there to put on a show, but I think I lean more towards interactive for sure. Is it difficult to juggle that with playing the game? I imagine some games require more attention, whereas other games let you jump into chat for a moment and not immediately die, like Dark Souls, for example. Absolutely. it's. It depends. Yeah, it 100% depends on the game. I have like commands and stuff in my chat that say like I'm in competitive mode if I'm playing Overwatch. So I'm sorry if I don't see your message. And I always like, take a moment to scroll back. But I tend to play games that give me at least a moment to look over. And after a while, you kind of get used to just, you know, jotting your eyes back and forth. You kind of get used to, oh, I'm playing Mercy, so I'm going to heal. And then your eyes scan over for a second, see a, a message scan back. So you miss a couple, but you do learn as you go to to do both. But I know that it's really difficult to start with. I remember the first time that I played Overwatch on stream, which was like my OG game, and I was in competitive modes. I would have realized that it's been 15 minutes since I read my chat. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. And I just go over after the match is over and I go, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and it's nice because generally if you if you're just genuine and you play it off like it's fun chat the people in chat don't really mind they think it's funny they know that you're trying to win and they appreciate the fact that you care about the game that you're playing and as long as you acknowledge that you're a ding dong it's fine <laughs> <laughs>
And do you have moderators or community managers to help you with that? I do. Um, so for a long time, I have had a couple mods that have stuck around um, and a few that have been there from the get-go that also had to remove themselves because of work, not now align, aligning with streams, so they couldn't be around. Um, but right now I have about, oh gosh, how many mods do I have? At least six or seven. Yeah, about about seven active. Um, and I have specific moderators for Discord versus Twitch chat. Some do overlap, but we have specific individuals that focus on Discord and keeping my Discord community friendly, active, attended, uh, attended to, and just a safe space. And then we have Twitch moderators, which are a little bit different because Twitch is happening in the moment very quickly. And it's not able to be, um, it, it's open to the public, whereas my Discord is only specific channels are open to the public. So, but yeah, I have about seven mods that work and volunteer for me. One of the things I noticed when I was tuned into your stream is that you are very attentive to and very appreciative of when people subscribe to your channel. What does it mean of either functionally or financially when somebody subscribes to you? So subs are the literal lifeline <laughs> of a channel. Um, so subscribers are individuals that are willing to spend their money on you and how it works is they spend about $5 US every month and you get $2.50 of that from Twitch. The rest of it goes to Twitch and it allows them to, it depends on the streamer because you can select different options. For me, it allows you to not be affected by chat slow mode. So if we're very busy, like if we're on front page or if we for some reason get a giant raid, you don't get affected by that. So you can talk as much as you want, whereas everyone else has to wait 30 seconds between sending messages. You get um, emotes, which are like emojis on your phone that are custom designed for the channels that you can use anywhere on Twitch. For me, you get special badges. A lot of subscribe, like pretty much every partner has special badges and most affiliates now. But mine are potion bottles. So you get a potion bottle by your name. Um, and then... There's other little things that we do month to month, like you get priority in games and things like that. Um, but when it comes to what they mean to me, it means that this person thinks that I, my, <laughs> they think I am either funny enough or kind enough or just a decent enough person that they actually want to spend part of their income on me to keep me able to do this. And that to me is buck wild. <laughs> Why is that? Well, if you think about it, it's pretty out of this world that I get to make art and play video games and communicate with really rad people on the internet, and then those rad people pay me to do that. <laughs> That's a really weird concept. I love it, but it's such a weird concept. When you put it that way, I guess it is pretty out of this world. <laughs> <laughs> But $2.50 per sub per month, and you really got to hustle for that to add up. It depends on how you want to run your, I guess, brand in quotation marks. A lot of people refer to themselves as a brand or their brand. And I will mention it so often. I'm definitely not one of the streamers that are going to be like, oh, we're almost at our sub goal, like one more sub today. And 
all like good on them for doing that because I can't. I wish that I could. I'm getting better because it is necessary for you to remind the people watching that, oh, yeah, I do like this person. I could support her. For me, it's more of a my mods remind people in chat. I have a timer command that comes up in chat every once in a while that's like, hey, you could sub to the channel. We have super generous community members that gift sub subs to people. So they will spend more of their money to give other people a sub. So it gives me the same amount of money. It provides those benefits to these other people. And I think that that's super awesome if community members are willing to do that because that reminds people that they can sub and it's possible that those people go, oh, actually really like this feature. I really like supporting this person. I'm going to continue that gifted sub that I got for as long as I can. But I'm always really bad at asking for it. I have always been bad at that. I have never succeeded in the ability to be like, give me money. And I think a lot of that comes from being super charity focused, because as soon as I realized I could use this to raise money for charities, that was my primary goal. So I've never really been super focused on having this massive income from this. I focus on paying my bills, feeding myself, living a healthy life, maybe getting to go on a little vacation once a year. And then the rest of it is somebody else can use this. Awesome. And I definitely want to talk a lot more about those charity streams as well. But first, I want to wonder, given how responsive you are to when people give you a subscription, that starts a new every first of the month, right? I mean, like your subscri the subscription lasts a month and then come the first of next month, you're basically starting from scratch every month. Is that right? Not exactly. So subscribers, if they are using their PayPals or credit cards to subscribe, it auto renews. So unless they remember to cancel it or choose to cancel it, it will continue on every single month. And some people just let them run they don't actually go through and look at their subscriber like who they're subscribed to and go oh i guess i don't really watch them anymore so it's not necessarily starting from scratch you definitely see a hit with the new gift subs though so gift subs are a newer ish thing on twitch and because those only last the one month that they're given you could go from, let's say, 350 subs to 550 subs in one month because people have been very generous with gifting subs subscriptions. But those like 200 people are not going to all continue subscribing to you. They might not even watch you anymore because it can randomly select from your follower list. So you start the next month and then you have to remember, okay, this drop was not me. I did nothing wrong. My community loves me. I'm doing great. This is just gift subscriptions. This person essentially donated to me. Well, tipped. I don't like to use the word donated because technically that's for charities and I'm not a charity. They tipped me by gifting these subscriptions. And on top of that, it allowed those people to have the emotes and their badges in the chat. So it did a bonus for them and it tipped me rather than just directly tipping me like let's say through paypal do you find it hard to divorce your twitch streams performance its, it's success its revenue from your own self-worth i mean you were just talking a little bit about that about how oh you know this is just something that didn't auto renew but at the same time you're talking about how great it is that people give you money to do this amazing out of the world thing and that ebbs and flows it's absolutely the most difficult thing. If if someone tells you that they are 
perfectly able to take away their self-worth from their current follower, viewer, or subscriber number. They're probably lying. Good on <laughs> them if they've actually done it because hit me up. I want to know how. But we are people and we are social beings and we have been taught by a larger society that our self-worth is coming from other people, which is incorrect. And I tell myself that all the time, but it is hard if you have an awful, awful month. Like let's say one month, not only do the gift subs drop, but I'm lower than my average subscriptions and maybe my viewership is down and I've only got like 35 people watching. Those hit you in a way where your immediate response is, what did I do wrong? It can take a toll on you if it's repeated and you have to take a step back and remember that these are people and they have lives and something could have gone horribly wrong. Maybe it's tax season. Maybe it was just Christmas. Maybe a giant charity event just happened and now they are low on income and you happen to be the person that they think will understand this or know will understand this and then they will come back. And even if they don't come back, you have to remember that it wasn't you. And if it was you, like look back at yourself because I think something that streamers don't do is if they're not growing or they are losing viewership or they're losing numbers, you have to be help, like hold yourself accountable for that. You have to look at your VODs. You have to watch it. You have to ask your moderators, how did the stream go? How was I acting? How was my personality? Did I seem down? You know, this happened today and I'm not feeling great. You, there's a, there's a balance between knowing when it is on you and knowing when it's not. And it's the hardest balance I've ever gone through in any t career or life situation. And that, that's very challenging. As you're saying, there are so many different variables and factors at play that you never know where the line is. Yeah, it's, it's impossible to see. I think when it comes down to it, you have to look at a couple things. And one of them is, can I pay a basic life off of this? Like, am I making above the average minimum wage and am I happy doing it? And if the answer to both of those is yes, then the rest of it will fall into place as time goes on. So it's an extremely hard balance. I haven't mastered it in any way, but I've gotten better. I used to strictly think that, you know, if my viewer count was low, I've done something horribly wrong or people don't like me anymore. And and I think every young streamer goes through that. And then you start to realize that they're just they're people like you and they're probably busy or they their life situation changed and it's nothing that you did wrong. And hopefully if it was, someone would call you out on it. Like there are so many streamers that are called out when they do something completely unacceptable and sometimes they lose sometimes they don't lose their audience but i think that if you are looking back at what you're doing and you're holding yourself accountable for your actions and you are talking to the people that are close to you and you're talking to your community and you're asking them for feedback and the feedback is no you're doing great like no absolutely and you build this this safe environment they will tell you if something is wrong. 
And despite all that, sometimes you do need to step away to recharge. I remember hearing at a PAX panel last year, Kate Stark, another Twitch partner, said that when she goes on vacation, she comes back and her subscription numbers are just devastated. Maybe that's because not everybody auto-renews every month. Do you find that it's challenging to step away for even a short or a long amount of time, like that small vacation every year you said you take? Who's Kate Stark? Oh, uh, no, I'm kidding. She's actually one of my best friends. Um, (laughs) Like legitimately, she's one of my best friends. Speaking of, actually, we are doing a St. Jude fundraiser starting this month uh, together. A bunch of us are getting together and doing a fundraiser. Uh, So it's really funny that you brought her up because she's actually her brother is actually uh, part of Loading Ready Run. Right. So it's very funny because she's actually one of the first people that I started streaming with um, and we're actually doing a a big fundraiser this month for St. Jude and uh, we are raising money for the research hospital. So that's super, super funny that you mentioned that. Anyway, sorry, what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) Do you find it hard to step away from your channel and not be online for a while? I personally don't find it as hard as others do. Um, I think it depends on, I definitely find it difficult. Don't get me wrong. But as of late, I've discovered that the people that actually want to watch you and care about your content are the people that will always be there. So I know of a person who has actually taken a complete hiatus from streaming and they had to shut everything down for a family emergency. And they've been offline for, oh gosh, probably a year now. And there are still people subscribed to that channel. There are still people supporting that Patreon because when it comes down to it, there are the people that are always going to be there. There are the people that have been there since the very beginning and there are people that are still there. And I think that, again, it goes back to if I can pay for my life, if I can take care of my dog, if I can deal with an emergency and I can be happy doing it, that's all that should matter. So I completely understand the concept because I have come back from vacations before where I'm a, I'm down on subs and I am a little down on myself, but it picks up so quickly. Like once you're back, it picks up. And especially if you're, I, th- I think a part of the big problem is that streamers aren't as active in their communities outside of Twitch. And I think that's a huge problem because if Twitch is the only way that you're interacting with your community, obviously you're going to lose subscriptions because when you're not there, you don't exist. And I think that's a huge mistake. I think streamers need to be active in their discords. They need to be messaging uh, on Twitter and being active on Twitter. And if they have any other social platform that they utilize with their, their community, they need to be using it more. If you're away on vacation, you know, post vacation photos or you know, post little blog things to your Patreon or just talk to these people like they are your friends because when it comes down to it, you have a kind of friendship with them. It's not necessarily a real life friendship and there are boundaries that need to be respected and it's very important that you explain that. But if you are consistently active, then they consistently see you and they want to consistently support you. I mean, there's been times where I've gone away for a month. I went away for Christmas. I didn't stream for the month of December and I was in my discord and I was on my Instagram and on my Twitter. And I went into my discord and say, Hey, remember I'm away for the month, but if you want to renew your subs, please feel free to do that. It would mean a lot to me. And 
it happened. Like you just ask them and you remind them that you're like, I'm away, but I'm still working and this is still my job and your support means the world to me. And if if you're a streamer and your only income is coming from Twitch and it's not enough to pay your bills, you need to consider not going full time. You need to consider other avenues for paying for your life. It's why I have a Patreon because that is more of a consistent income that I can rely on when I'm not streaming because I think a big part of why streamers get stressed is not necessarily subs, it's bits and tips. And bits are like a currency that Twitch uses to give streamers money. Every bit is worth one cent. And when you're not streaming, you don't get access to bits, you don't get access to tips. And I I think a lot of people don't realize how much those affect a streamer's income. The majority of my income comes from people sending me bits or tipping to my channel. Like I get way more from that than I do from my subscriptions. So that's the biggest issue when you leave. So if someone's saying, you know, I've dropped subs, true, but they'll come back or they'll be gifted back or you know what, they were probably going to drop anyway. I think the bigger issue is that you're leaving bits and tips behind. And all you have to do is remind your community, your consistent community, your discords, that you are away but you are still making content. And when you come back, you're going to be refreshed and you've got these new ideas. Here's a sneak peek to an idea. Here's an idea. Here is an idea. And if you want to support me, here's where you can do it. And you link your PayPal or you link your Streamlabs or whatever it is that you take tips from, a Kofi, And you say, it would mean the world to me while I'm away if you continue to support me. And people will do it. So I think it's a matter of just diligence. You mentioned that you also have a Patreon. What is the link to that? Uh, so it's patreon.com slash sly TQ. And I read that Patreon has some new creator plans coming out, three different tiers. People who are already on Patreon can be grandfathered in if they want to. Do you feel that this is going to affect you at all? I don't think personally it will. I Like you say, I get grandfathered into the old plan, so I'm not super worried about it. I've read into it. I try to be as aware of things, even when they don't affect me personally, as possible. I could technically go into one of these tiers if I wanted to, but I just don't have a big enough base to do it. And I'm okay with that. It'd be nice, obviously. (laughs) But again, I would rather just do good in the world. And yeah, I don't, it's not going to affect me in a way that I have really had to worry about it. I, some of it I don't even honestly understand. I've been trying to, but Patreon has made a lot of mistakes in the past. So I'm just waiting for this to somehow also burn to the ground. <laughs> so probably best to sit back and watch for now before you make any major changes. Well, there's no reason for me to, because I, my Patreon was public until recently for the amount that I made. And I've recently taken a Patreon hit and I've been very open about that on Twitter where I've said, you know, I've lost $75 this month and last month I lost 55 and I just want to know, you know, what is it that I'm doing maybe wrong or right? You know, is there anything you would suggest? Does anyone have any like feedback? And someone goes, TQ, it's tax season. And I was like, oh, I need to do my taxes. And... <laughs> That is a big indicator of, hey, it's life. Life happens. But yeah, I don't have the base for needing to move into any of these tiers. So I'm happy being grandfathered into what I have. And I don't know that if there would ever be a time that I even go into these higher features because there's 
the the pluses that you get for it are like Patreon created like classes or something and uh there's also like merch and I think analytics or something like that and I can do all these myself and unless I am like a company that has maybe if I made like five grand or more on Patreon I might consider maybe but by then I'm assuming I would just have found a manager so (laughs) I'm not big enough to necessarily talk on it you said anyway that you would rather just be doing good in the world and on your Patreon profile you describe your channel as I focus on how our differences as people make us better as a whole rather than something we should have separate us how do you convey that in your streams? How does that come across? So one of the biggest things that I focus on is our physical and our mental health and treating each other with complete respect. So something that I find happens in a lot of Twitch channels is that the chat is kind of left to do as they please or just kind of talk in a way that isn't necessarily how you would talk in. It's keyboard confidence. And I'm sure that you've heard the term before. And it's because no one can see you and no one really knows who you are, kind of, you become someone a little bit more confident and maybe a little bit more of a butthead than you normally would be. And what we do is we specifically try to give everyone a second chance. So if someone comes into the channel and goes, you look really tired, we go, hey, I am. but also." Maybe think about what that just came off as. Or if someone comes in the channel and goes, I'm trying to think of a really good example, actually, because I know that I've gone through a lot of, oh my gosh. So one of the biggest ones is a great example of this is playing Minecraft. Minecraft is one of the most ridiculous games to stream. The amount of people that come into the channel specifically to target you is wild. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I do stream under the LGBTQ plus category, which is a tag you can put on your stream on Twitch. And I know that a lot of individuals who are within the LGBTQ community, they don't use it because they don't want to deal with the trolls coming in. I specifically use it because I want people to be able to find me. I want them to come and find a safe space that are within their community, that is within their family. And I don't mind dealing with people coming in and being like, well, what's the difference between being gay and lesbian or well, if I can't use the word dyke or I can't use the word fag, what's like, it's only a word. And instead of going immediately blocking or banning them, we kind of try to take a minute to educate them. And some say it's not worth it because it's Twitch chat and it's for fun. And you just, you know, they're just being a troll, just whatever. But once in a while, you do get the person that asked a question in a way that they didn't mean for it to come across as. So if you give a person one second, obviously there are instances where that doesn't work. Like someone could come in directly insulting you. They're gone. Bye. Have a nice day. But if you read a question and it doesn't quite seem right, we will remove the question and then we will ask them, did you mean this or could you rephrase it? And once in a while you get the individual that goes, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it like that. I was curious about blank. And 
it has happened so many times during Minecraft specifically because it is a younger audience and younger audiences don't really know how to phrase things yet, especially people that are maybe not as social as others. And they're coming in and they're trying to understand something that they have not been exposed to. And it's not my job or my duty to teach them about this world. But at the same time, I am a presence on the internet and I am a presence that could make a difference. And it's up to each individual person, me individually, I have chosen to give an opportunity, like take this opportunity to be like, hey, what is it that you really mean? Are you actually just being an ass? And can we explain this to you? It sounds exhausting. It sounds like another line that you need to identify for yourself because you could just block these people right off the bat and not try to reach them. And that would probably save you a lot of time and energy. And there are situations where we do do that. There are there are lines that my mods know. Um, sexualized comments, for one, are not acceptable, um, specifically geared towards me as a person. Uh, questions that are, and I'm not going to censor myself here, questions that come in that are like, are you a boy or a girl? You're gone. And it's... It's having a moderation team that understands where your lines are that are very important. And once those lines are drawn and chat sees it happening, they understand it as well. So they understand that I'm open to talking about a lot of things, but there are certain comments that are just, no, we won't. No, we won't. One of the other ways that you try to make the world a better place and do good through your stream is by being a Take This org streaming ambassador. Can you tell us a bit about that? So Take This is um, an amazing organization that works on creating podcasts, panels to reduce mental health stigma. So I was doing a lot of this prior to becoming a Take This Ambassador, and I think that's why they accepted me so quickly. We have a specific channel in my Discord that is focused on, we call it the safe space. And it's marked as NSFW because of things that might be talked about in there that are not necessarily sexualized. I think also, I would love to talk about NSFW for a second in the world, but 18, 18 plus doesn't mean sex. 18 plus means Sometimes life gets hard and we need to talk about our feelings or the fact that we're hurting or somebody dying or, and I think that people have this stigma that NSFW necessarily means that we're going to show sex or we're going to, you know, a tit's going to be out and it's, that's not what it is all the time. So anyway, we have a safe space and the, that particular discord channel is where people can go to be like, I'm depressed and I don't know what to do. And people that have gone through it can be like, hey, I felt that way too. Here are some resources that I found helpful. Maybe they'll help you. And there are specific rules set up to be like, we are not a replacement for professional help, but we're here to listen. And we are friends that deal with all the same shit. So we want to talk about it. And we want to have a community that's focused on it's okay. It's, it's freaking take this as slogan. It's okay to not be okay. You're allowed to feel shitty and you're allowed to talk about it. And then once you get it out, you can go back to maybe just having a nice day because if you don't have anywhere to talk about it, there's so many people in the community that are either that we have people in the community that are either unable to leave their home or 
are socially ang- like filled with anxiety. So behind a keyboard is much easier for them. And I've had people that open up because of these spaces. So Take This focuses on allowing the streamers that already want to do this, do it better. So what they do is they give us a page on the website. They promote us when we're fundraising for them. They promote us when we're not fundraising for them. They give us access to mental health resources that we might not have known about. And they're genuinely good people. Every time I want to reach out to them, they're there. And they also deal with my big mouth because I legitimately don't know what a filter is. So <laughs> if something is wrong, I will go in and explain why I think it's wrong. Am I understanding it correctly? And we need to talk about it. And never once have they been like, you need to just let it go. Or you need to just, it's just life. That's how it works. It's never been like that. Whenever there's an issue with how someone's reacting to something, it's always, yes, let's deal with this. Talk to the people work it out. Well, that sounds very healthy. And it wouldn't seem appropriate anyway for somebody who is focused on mental health, whether it's you or an organization, to say, get over it. Oh, I'm sure that it exists, though. <laughs> I'm sure it Unfortunately, does. I'm, I'm sure there are some people who are well-intentioned and in the heat of the moment or just lacking empathy for others in that moment. They're like, mm, this is not as big a deal as you think it is. And for that person, it is a big deal. Yeah. And I think that that's another thing that comes across with streaming as well is there's, there are so many streamers that say that they have, this is one of my biggest pet peeves. And it's when people in my, in my line of work will say that they are, you know, a very, they're very positive and they're very, they're very aware and they want to have a happy and healthy community. And then they allow words to be said in their chat that should not be said, but it's because they don't take the time to actually learn what they mean or really understand it. And what, like a, a good example for that, and people disagree with me on this and that's fine. I've talked about it so many times. I personally don't like to use the word triggered because triggered is a actual term that happens when you have PTSD. I have PTSD from abuse and I'm very open about that. So when someone comes into the chat and they've said an insult or they're trying to be funny and I go, well, it's not really funny. And they go, haha, did I trigger you? They're immediately deleted from the channel. They're not banned, but they're deleted and explained that that's not okay. And if they even take it lightly for a second, they'll be banned. Now, Not everyone's going to agree with me that that's that big a deal that it needs to be dealt with. But for me, it is because it's not funny. It's taking light that someone in the world has been through something so horrendous that situations can cause them to go into a panic attack. It could cause them to pass out. It could cause them to relive a situation that was so traumatic that now they're reliving it. So it's situations like that that really bother me where streamers will say that they're a positive community and they're very focused on on making sure that they're, they, they're a safe space for people, but then they don't take the time to learn the backstory to words or learn why something might not be a, a correct thing to do. Yeah, it's very important to curate your community, especially when you are trying to build one that's focused on mental health, like you would be with Take This. You recently had a charity stream for Take This on April 30th, and you also mentioned you have one coming up for St. Jude's. How do charity streams work? So it depends on the individual. For me personally, uh, my charity streams are generally 
I do three to four days because I don't like to feel rushed or pressured. So I will do three to four days or more where I spread out the fundraising. If we reach a certain goal, I will do what I call cosplays. And when I say called that, it's because it's spelled C-A-U-S-E play for a cause. So I'm cosplaying for a cause. Gotcha. And I will dress up as a character or um, some sort of fantasy creature, and I will play a game that's related to that. So this past, on the 30th, I did a mermaid cosplay where I dressed up as a mermaid on stream, which was the most wild thing I've ever done. Because let's be real, I was in a bra. It just (laughs) had a lot of shit on it, but it was a bra nonetheless. So... I was really worried about TOS, honestly, but Twitch is really good about understanding the line of it's for a reason and you're doing it very tastefully versus like you just decided to stream in your underwear today. So that was the last one I did. And then in my first Take This um, fundraiser, we actually raised over $5,000 and I cosplayed as I cosplayed four different cosplays over the course of the fundraising. I was Cupid. I was Mercy from Overwatch. I was a um, Order of the Souls individual from Sea of Thieves, which is my favorite game right now. And then I was also a Magical Girl OC in the style of Sailor Moon, but like who I, what I would look like as a Magical Girl. And when you're doing these streams, in addition to all these incentives and the like, do you have some sort of a toggle on your streamer dashboard that says any subs received in this hour goes to this charity instead of me? So I I actually give 10% of my sub income every single month to charity as long as my bills and my food can be paid for. So I don't actually have that. But there is a great website called Tiltify, which I tend to use when raising money for charity because most charities are on Tiltify. And if they're not, you can ask for the charity to be added. Um, And Tiltify has an integrated system that allows you to have donations go through that website given to the charities. So I've used that for almost all of my charity fundraising. There was only one that I didn't, which was during Pride Month, I was featured on the front page as an LGBTQ streamer. And uh, we built a giant rainbow house in The Sims and we built each bedroom based off of different identities. So we had like a pan, bisexual, ace, uh, we had lesbian. It was it was so much fun. And um, for that one, we were raising money for um, human rights campaign, which I go back and forth on. They do good, but they have their problems. But I also wanted to raise money for smaller organizations in my local area and other local areas. So what I did was I had a Tiltify for HRC, and then I had my own donation where people would they and they have to trust me on this. I said, you know, if you send me tips today. They will go to these organizations. And I linked all of those organization donate buttons because I was like, I don't need to see this bar fill up. I just want the money to go to them. So you can choose. You can donate to HRC. It'll show up on this bar. You can donate to, you can tip me and then I'll donate it. And it shows up on a different bar, which is done through Streamlabs. Or the links are down below and in chat and you can go donate to whoever you want or donate to a local charity. I don't care. Just do it. Show us you did it, and we'll celebrate you. That's awesome. It's really great that you dedicate all that time and energy to supporting these causes and getting other people to support these causes. It's honestly one of my favorite things. And I I was really worried when I first started doing it because when I first started streaming, I was going through – I will say I was going through a lot. 
I had a really big issue with how do people perceive me? And I think that's one of the greatest things about Twitch and doing this as a job is it's kind of taught me how to be confident again. And when I first started doing charity, it always goes through your mind of, well, are people going to think I'm doing this because I want people to think I'm good, but I'm actually trying to do good. But what if I'm, what if they think that I'm trying to do good, but I'm not actually being good. And they just want the attention, like your brain just goes in the spiral and then you kind of have to just go, just do it and it'll be okay. And if it's not, you'll work through it later. (laughs) That's for future TQ. We'll figure it out. You're going to be fine. No, that, that's a very tricky scenario you just described because a lot of people do their charity in secret because they don't want the adulation. They don't want to think that's why they're doing it. But by doing it in secret, they also miss out on the opportunity to inspire others and to bring attention to their causes. And I think that's more important personally. I think that I think people are smart enough to see the difference. I think if people are looking at companies like I, I don't want to name names but lar- there are larger companies where they'll donate a lot of money and you go okay I see why you're doing it it's great because hey that money still gets there but I know why you're doing it and I think people start to see it I think people start to understand you know who you are as a person and they start to really get to know you and 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 they the people that don't see it they either will or you kind of just have to do that thing where it's like the people who mind don't matter and the people who uh what was that saying the people who mind don't matter and the people who matter don't mind yeah that's exactly what you have to remember <laughs> like i just did it <laughs> <laughs> so you get to bring attention to these causes not only through your twitch stream but also recently offline at PAX East where you were on a panel do i understand that that was your first PAX East panel that was my first panel. Oh. That wasn't even my first PAX East panel. That was my first panel. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. It was very <laughs> nerve-wracking. I can imagine, but it was also very awesome. How did you get involved with it? So the panel is actually a take this panel. So they prompted me. I think it was Dr. B that originally came. I was either Dr. B or Dr. Bill that originally, I think it was Dr. B, that messaged me and said, hey, we want to do a panel. Are you interested? And I was like, what's the panel? And then they were explaining to me it's to avoid burnout as a creative. And I was very nervous, but I decided that that was right up my alley because not only am I a partner Twitch streamer, but I am an illustrator as well. And I don't get to focus on that as much as I would like to. I have done so many Twitch emotes for my friends. I've done all my own emotes. Most of my art on my channel is mine, if not all of it is mine. And it was very interesting to get to sit up there next to Bill Amend for one <laughs> to be like, I'm sorry, I'm going to talk about creative and you've been doing this for 30 years. Like, please, please continue telling me how you've done this. But uh, yeah, it was it was very cool. I know the creator of Foxtrot, one of the world's most famous newspaper comic strips, is just sitting right there. <laughs> it was wild. And of course, I introduced myself to him beforehand because I didn't want to be like, I don't know you and we're going to be on a panel together. So like, I went up to his booth and introduced myself before and it turns out that he knows my fiance. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. Why not? World's small enough. The whole creative world is smaller than you think it is. Wow, that's amazing. That is a small world. Huh. So one thing that I noticed that you, Bill Amen, Jackie Collins, everybody else who was on that panel totally agreed with was 
how false this statement is. If you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. So it's not just, you're not just sitting around playing video games all day. I wish that that were true. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. Um, No. So uh, a basic rundown of my week is Wednesday. I do commissions in the morning if I have them, which I normally do, which is I'm very lucky for. And if I don't, I'm working on Patreon product uh, projects um, that I stream. And then after stream, I work out. Thursday, I will do more art and then I will do stream prep. And Thursday stream prep means I will watch other channels and see what they're doing that I like or don't like. Friday and Saturday are review days. So those are the days that I go back and watch all of my old VODs and I will highlight the ones that I like or I will go in and make sure that ones that are about to get deleted get saved if they're important. Sunday is the one day that I try not to do too much. Sunday is D&D day. So what that means is that I have stream and then I play D&D with my roommates and friends. So Sunday morning is the morning that I try to take off. I try to make sure that Sunday morning is the morning where I'm like, I'm going to go get my coffee. I'm not going to work while getting coffee, which is really hard for me. I'm always all, almost always drawing or tweeting or on Patreon while at coffee. So I try not to do any of that unless I'm just drawing for me for myself. Then I stream and then I have D&D. And then Monday and Tuesday are my days off in quotation marks from streaming, which are actually my busiest days. Um, Monday is my catch up on commissions day. My... Uh, what do I want to do for the week? My analytics, so looking at everything that's going on within my channel, researching new charities, making sure that everything is running on my um, overlay, how can I make those better, looking at new games, looking at reviews of games. And this will go into Tuesday. And then Monday night is a specified friend date night. And then Tuesday is all work and then um, date night with my fiance. Um, and then it restarts. And Wednesday morning is supposed to be friendship day with my roommate, but she's very, very relaxed about it, which I really appreciate because sometimes I just can't. (laughs) So it's not always playing games. I do get lucky where sometimes I can watch a stream and be researching with while watching that stream and watching the chat and the moderators. And that's enjoyment for me. Um, but it's not always that way because sometimes it is looking at streams going, OK, what, what do I not like about the stream and what can I avoid? So how many hours a week would you say you stream? And then in addition to that total, how many hours a week would you say that you work? The other week I streamed for a total of 46 hours. Wow. And then I work about at least three hours a day on top of that because I get up at around 8.30 in the morning and then I go to bed around 10.30, 11. Wow. So pretty much every minute of every day is accounted for. Pretty much. The, the only, I, sometimes I get lucky where I'm like, or you get in that mode where, and you have to, you have to do this. If you go, I cannot do this right now, you just don't. And then you sit back and you do what makes you happy. And there have been times that I just do that where I'm like, I'm trying to get a commission done and it's not working and I'm frustrated and forcing your way through it isn't going to work and it never will. So you get up and you do what makes you happy. For me, that's going outside. I'm a big outside person. So it's really funny. I love being outside and my job is at a desk. So I will go outside and use my iPad. So if if you are my patron... 80% of those posts were made from a coffee shop or my lawn. And my dog was probably sitting there. (laughs) 
Oh, speaking of your dog, I understand that Seamus is an emotional support animal. Is that right? Yes. So I got him when I was going through um, my, after a big thing happened, the the issues that have caused my PS, my PTSD. Um, I got him actually, I, I took him because he was going to be put down. Um, he was a rent and I had never planned for him to be an emotional support animal, but it kind of worked out that way that he just grew up being really, really, really good at it. And then I went through all the steps and that's where we are today. Can you give me the short version of what those steps are? Because in some capacity, pets always offer emotional support, but we're talking about a something more official or concrete, are we? So it depends on where you live. For certain provinces, they don't recognize them. Um, and certain provinces or, um, I guess if you don't live in Canada, you don't have provinces, but um, there are organizations that will give you certification for an emotional support animal. Now, there is a big difference between emotional support and a working animal. So if it is a guide dog or a service dogs and service animals, there is a big difference between an emotional support animal and a service animal. And a, because a service animal is some an animal that could stop you from becoming hurt or dying. An emotional support animal is very different. Emotional support animals are there to relieve anxiety. Um, they are there to help mitigate depression. Um, whereas sometimes they're known as companion animals. A service animal is very trained in a particular skill. And I think that that can get very confusing for some people. So for example, Seamus is not allowed in restaurants. Service dogs are. Um, Seamus is not allowed on um, any specific store that says no animals allowed. Seamus is not allowed. Service animals are. He is allowed to be on airplanes with me. He can be wearing a special vest for that. Um, they cannot ask me to put him under my in a in a carrier. He can sit on my lap, um, and he also does not restrict me from finding living. Um, so from apartments, which is an interesting thing that I have had to deal with many times, because they will say, "Oh, no animals allowed." They are not allowed to say that you cannot live there for an emotional support dog or cat. Generally, it's dog. But they can find other reasons to say no. So once they know that you have an animal and you're like, well, he's an emotional support animal, they go, oh, okay. And then they'll find another reason for you not to live there just because they don't want the dog there. They're te so it's kind of one of those lines of like, they're being discriminatory in a way, um, but I don't use that word lightly, while getting what they want. So anyway, um, if because of different provinces, you go to your doctor and you talk to your doctor about it and you talk to your psychologist about it. Um, so they will give you the, the go ahead to move forward. And it's actually, depending on where you live, just a form that you fill out. Um, it's just an assessment. Uh, and then they need a medical uh, mental health exam, which is through a therapist. And then they go, yep, you're qualified for an emotional support animal. This is your emotional support animal. So BC is actually fairly simple. Um, it's a little bit expensive if you're depending on like where you go with what therapist and what psychologist and you know what your what the requirements are. Um, other places, it's more in depth. 
And I think in some places you can just go to your therapist. They say, yes, your dog is an emotional support animal and you have a form and that's it. Like there's just, there's no fee. There's no assessing the dog. It's just, nope, this is it. You need it. You need that animal. It helps you. And that's honestly, I really appreciate that. But given how easy it is, I've heard, and I'm not in Canada, of some people who abuse that, like they have a regular pet that they want to be able to bring places. And so they say, oh, I'll just call it an emotional support animal. And it's really easy. I just fill out a form. If you do that, you're an asshole. No argument here. Because there are people that genuinely need something to allow them to get through the day. And... I know that that can be hard to understand for some, but it's true and we need to respect that. And for me, I've actually stopped bringing him places because I'm very lucky where I have come to a position in my life where I have managed my PTSD. It will never go away, but it's managed. My anxiety is managed and I will not bring him unless absolutely necessary. So I will not push myself into a space where I feel it is not acceptable, but I will still do it when I know I need him. And there are so many stories of people pretending their dogs are service dogs because emotional support animals, again, they're not actually allowed in a lot of places. Like they can't, emotional support animals can't go into grocery stores. That's not allowed because there's food there. Service dogs, service animals can that's the difference. People will say that their dog is a service dog. And it is wild to me because it's a big freaking problem. And it's so easy to do because a lot of places have laws that stop the establishment from being able to ask to see valid ID for a service dog. And while I respect that, it also causes the problem of people bringing animals into a space that they shouldn't be bringing them. I wish that we could live in a world where people were just good (laughs) and they just went, hey, I shouldn't do that because I'm essentially pretending that I have a bigger issue in my life, that I have a disability and I am stepping into the space that I think is cool to like pretend that I have this. And it's, I don't understand those people. I, I don't understand them at all. I've recently even witnessed a woman bring a small a small lap dog into a restaurant and I don't I try not to because you don't want to judge you don't know the situation but I can tell you because I have worked with service dogs and I have worked with emotional support animals that there is no way that animal is either based off the way that it was behaving and that drives me wild I it is a big thing and I could just complain and get upset about it forever and I don't want to do that, but it is something that if you weren't aware of it, become aware of it. And if you know someone that does this, please get them to stop because it causes an issue. And one of the biggest issues I think people don't realize is if you bring a dog into an environment that they are not trained to be in and there's a service animal there and your dog, not saying that your dog is going to do this. I'm sure your dog is a perfect baby. They could interfere with a work that a service dog is doing. And that means that you can hurt or cost someone their life because your dog doesn't know how to respect a service dog's space. A service dog should not be interacted with. It should not be pet. It should be not be talked to. If a dog is in the same environment as a service dog, they might see it as playtime. And that dog, while as trained as a service dog can be, 
doesn't have, shouldn't have to deal with that, shouldn't have to deal with a distraction of another dog coming in and trying to play or trying to be aggressive or just interacting in a way that a service dog is not prepared to interact with. So not only are you just overall being a total dickwad, you are causing a possible incident. Wow, I'd never had even considered that possible interaction. And that's very true. Wow. I, I myself do not have a dog. I very much want one. I'm working toward that goal. My landlord is not being as cooperative as I want. <laughs> and some people have told me, Ken, you should just say that it's an emotional support animal. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. The closest I'll come is saying that this is my emotional support burrito. <laughs> but a dog? No, that's completely different. I want a dog. I don't need a dog. And I think that that's a really good boundary to have. Like it's I understand wanting one and I'm, I understand wanting to have that companionship and especially, you know, adopting one and taking it out of an environment that is unhealthy for it. But it will only cause problems in the future. Like if you're if you do say that it's an emotional support dog and let's say you do say that and at, at, if at any point a landlord finds out that's not true, they could sue you. Oh, gosh. I hadn't even thought of that. So, well, you've you've lied about the situation of an animal that you have, and now they find out you have an animal that is not an emotional support animal. You have gone under false pretenses in your lease. So, right, and for it to be legitimate, I would have to get a psychologist to sign off on a condition that I do not have and do not want to claim to have, because that is just exacerbating the situation even more. Psychologist or therapist, depending on where you live, that is correct. Yep. Wow. Well, thank you for bringing all that to light. These are a lot of things that I had never thought about. I really appreciate it. I am glad to open my big mouth. (laughs) (laughs) So one more question before we go. And you play a lot of games on your Twitch stream. You are a variety streamer. Are there some games that you keep for yourself? Games that you're like, I'm going to play this and not share it because this is just for me. Absolutely. Yes. I have not played any um, Zelda game. I have not played any Pokemon game on my Twitch stream. There was one time I did try to do a Nuzlocke Pokemon run, but I am a giant baby and I don't want them to die. So that didn't last very long. (laughs) But there absolutely, there are games that I, I keep for myself. Why don't you play Zelda with everybody? So Zelda was a game that I grew up with and it means a lot to me. And I love my community. However, at any point, someone could come in and completely put me in a mood that I don't want to be in while playing this game. And then I will forever or could possibly forever associate a moment in this beautiful game with that. And I don't ever want that. So I don't ever want the memory of the first time I played Breath of the Wild and cooked to be followed up with someone spouting a homophobic slur. Wow. I keep certain things for myself, certain things I share with the community. And I do share a lot of it with Discord. So if you're in my Discord, there are times where I'll be playing a game offline and I will show a screenshot or I will explain that I've done something or go, this is really beautiful. I highly recommend you check it out. So it's not necessarily that it's all kept to me. I talk about Pokemon all the time. Um, And I'm actually going to be playing Pokemon for the first time when the new ones come out, Sword and Shield. It'll be the first time that I ever fully play a Pokemon game on stream. But I'm going to play one version on stream and one version off stream. (laughs) Oh, that's a great compromise. So, yeah. Yeah, when Breath of the Wild came out, I don't stream, but I do have a YouTube channel. And I did 
120 videos about Breath of the Wild, one for every single shrine. I don't regret that. It was a lot of fun, but it came with compromises. For example, if I was sitting on an airplane and I was playing Zelda and I found a shrine, I had to stop playing yep. because you can't record to YouTube unless your Switch is docked. And I had to wait till I got home to play that shrine. Yep. It is a interesting back and forth when it comes to creating content for online and then also it being the thing that you enjoy because there are streamers that it's a weird concept to me, but there are streamers that don't play video games off of Twitch or do so very infrequently, but I've always played video games. So it was always a hobby and it's always very interesting to me. A big game, a big actual game category that I play in are fighting games and I do not stream them because the one time I played a fighting game on stream, the community that came in from that was absolutely disgusting. And I don't blame any type of thing on the whole community because that's never the case, but it's a completely different type of person that is going to watch you play a fighting game. And I just don't want to, I don't want that. So fighting games are for me specifically because it's it is it it can be so gross like i'm currently playing mortal kombat 11 and there are so many issues with it that are coming up and you'll be playing it and it's so it's interesting what games are specific to like people coming in and spoiling things or people coming in and trying to create memes or people coming in to be homophobic and fighting games are a big one Minecraft is a big one, which is shocking. So I try to keep those to myself or to a minimum just because I want the community to be the best that it can be. Sometimes it's because I love it. Sometimes it's because I want to protect the community. Well, those are two very different reasons, but it's important to identify them and know which games are best kept off your channel. Speaking of your channel, tell me about any upcoming events you have going on. You mentioned a St. Jude's charity stream. Yes. So I'm going to be raising money for St. Jude from the 8th until the 30th. We are doing it in a team effort. So the actual team is Chatloaf and Friends, um, and we are all going to be going and in, into this team together. And we each have our own individual fundraiser, but they all go towards this one team to see how much as a friend group we can raise um, we have oh I don't actually know all who's actually playing in it but I know that uh, so it's Kate Stark that started it and I was talking to her a long while about it because I was going to do one on my own and then we both had the same idea and she put it together so well so I was like absolutely so it's her me I know that our friend um Alfunko is going to be on it. Uh, I think we have like Bomber Dactyl, BC Mountain Man. Uh, our friend Tom Dyke is on it, I think. Like, there's a bunch of us that are getting together to raise money throughout the month. Uh, but mine officially starts on the 8th and will go till the 30th. And my incentives so far are temporary tattoos. So I'm going to stick temporary tattoos all over me, mainly my face. Um, and then the other one is wig changes. So uh, $50 or more, I'll put a wig on and then I'll switch the wig after 20 minutes, depending on how many more have come in. So more incentives will come throughout the week. And then um, because St. Jude is this big charity event that happens, they actually give away items. The more you raise, the more people that have sponsored St. Jude for fundraising you get. And at $2,500 raised, they are giving a Steel Series headset to 
the streamer if you raise that much money. So I'm going to give away that headset if we reach the $2,500 mark. I can see that you already have a Steel Series of your own. I do. I have two technically, but I lent the other pair to a friend of mine because I don't need to. <laughs> so this stream starts on May 8th, which is the day this podcast is airing. Where do people go if they want to watch it? So they can go to my Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash slytq. You can also get to it by typing in slytq.love because that will take you to my Twitch channel. Um, and everything is done through Tiltify. So if you do want to find the information on that, you can check my Twitter, which is at slytq. You can go to my Twitch channel. We'll have panels and commands in the chat. And yeah, basically everything you can find. You can find me almost everywhere under the handle of SlyTQ, except for Instagram. What are you on Instagram? So I have two. One is art, which is TQ Draws. And then one is just kind of like a personal one, which is SlyBoview, which is S-L-Y-B-O-V-Y-U. And there's a reason why that that's not branding, because that was a personal Instagram, and I just don't feel like changing it. So it's not really anything curated. It's just me posting dumb shit. <laughs> That sounds great. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, TQ, we have covered so much ground today. I really appreciate you sharing all these insights and experiences. It was great to meet you at PAX, and I look forward to seeing you at future PAXs and on future panels. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. This has been Polygamer, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at polygamer.net.